it's Josh here from the Well Workplaces podcast. We've got a very special guest today in Graham Scannell from MYOB, who's the head of workplace experience. Before, I'm really excited to have you on, Graham. But before we get into me asking you all the exciting questions about workplace, about what's happening at the moment, about what's happening in the future, I might just start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that I'm dialing in from today, which are the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Graham, first of all, to paint a picture for our audience, we're in lockdown 3.0, I guess we call it. So we've just, Friday just gone, we've gone into a snap five-day lockdown. So first of all, explain your situation at the moment, Graham. You're, you're work, back working from home? I am, although I can honestly say that I didn't necessarily stop working from home in, in the complete sense. I, it was a mixture between home and office, depending on what I was doing on any particular day or who I was meeting. But yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting three or four days, actually, because we've, we've got a rhythm on how we get people together, how we are organized, our, how we've organized our, our workplaces to ensure that we comply with all local government regulations and limitations and restrictions. And as of Friday, we've had to change those limitations, restrictions, and how we actually engage with space in our workplaces in Melbourne and across three sites in New Zealand as well. I feel very privileged to have you today, simply because it's great to have you, but also because I, I feel like if you're head of workplace at MYOB, you must have been going, yeah, doing about three or four jobs in the last few days. So very appreciative of you taking that time. And I guess for, for the listeners here at MYOB, there's been a fair, I feel like there's been a lot about your new offices uh, in Cremorne, in Richmond. But before we get into your current role, you able just to give the listeners a little bit of background of what led you to the role you're in at the moment, Graham? Yeah, uh, so that, that, that journey started more years ago than I'd like to admit. But I originally um, studied interior design and subsequently to that, I studied project management, started my life in, I would never say I've, I've been an out-and-out -out designer ever, but I've always been working in the consultation or the consultancy aspect of workplace. So that's looking after, but from an external side, never, not very, up until joining MIB, I've never sat permanently within a company, but worked as an external consultant. My background is really looking at companies, how they work, how they engage, how they collaborate, what processes they do. In other words, how do they actually create their products or offer their services and what environments could support that to make it a lot more effective and a lot more beneficial and, and towards the bottom line of any given company. I've had the uh, pleasure of actually working in various places from South Africa to London, to the Northeast of England. I've lived and worked in Qatar, in Doha, and worked across the Middle East during that period of time. I've also worked and lived in China for four years, being based out of Beijing for a year and, th and three years out of Shanghai. I've also worked in, uh, then I, I left China, came to Australia, about six or seven years ago now, and was based out of Perth, WA. But whilst there, I did quite a bit of travel up to Hong Kong and Singapore in the main, but various spots across APAC. And then two and a half years ago, joined MYB as an in-house role to look after workplace, to look after what I refer to as the operational side of the workplace. In other words, how it ticks, the, the old traditional FM type things, to look after the environmental piece and how the workplace influences and drives results environmentally. And then the real estate. So it's everything from leases to renewals to how, how do we 
define and refine and create a portfolio of buildings that support the business. It sounds like a lot. And you know, I'm lucky Feels to have you like on the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure it does, particularly as we speak. I'm lucky to have you today. NYOB are obviously lucky with all of the different countries you've worked in. I'm sure you've seen thousands of workplaces over your very detailed career. So it is quite very interesting. I've had the pleasure of you've taken me on a fantastic tour. And this was obviously before this current lockdown of the new offices in Cremorne for NYOB. That role, as you said, it started off in a bit more of the traditional sort of facilities manager role. What's really your, what's the biggest passion you've got in your role at the moment that really gets you out of bed? What's the stuff you really enjoy apart from obviously releasing a fantastic new workplace, but what's the stuff that really gets you fired up? I think it's everything to do with the workplace. And I'm not talking about like necessarily the operational side of it, but it's actually the, what it's there for, what the function of the space is. And by function of the workplace, I'm talking about it's there for the people that occupy the space, but it's also there for the benefit of the company that, for lack of a better word, sponsors that space to be there for its people. The workplace I see a place that drives everything from culture. It drives everything from productivity, how people socialize and engage with space and with each other. And I think it's a lot more responsible for the success of a company than most people really give it benefit for. I really strongly believe that. And it's how we create spaces that deliver for a company in a culture that is a desired culture that the company strives to have. I, workplaces can impact the bottom line. If we can get people coming into space where the environments actually support what their outputs are targeted to be, them as individuals, them as a team, and them as a greater organization, then it's doing half its job. The other half of the job is really around how does it enable other people. And by that is the, what I do in space should not have a negative impact on somebody else. So it has to be that um, co-location or coexistence of the me and the us, as well as other me's and other us's working together. I love that. And again, with context, and I've had the benefit of being there in person and seeing that, but what I was so impressed with was how considered you and and your team were with even down to the point I think we had a conversation about things like that may have been seemingly uh, very particular things but how many microwaves to have and the placement of the bins to really maximize the, the flow of traffic can you tell the audience a little bit more about that as a process I'm sure that was fairly detailed it was and there were two things really made that up is what I refer to as journey planning so how do people move through space and what is the process that in a that that they move through space to undertake and the second part is how do we take those journeys and how do we take those points of pause where people are engaging with space or doing an activity in it? And how do we make it as productive as it possibly could be and as seamless as it possibly could be in a way that eventually drives results and drives positive experiences for the user? A simple example of that, when I talk about what I refer to as micro productivity, which we touched on, and I'm not talking about the microwave, I'm talking about micro productivity in small bits of time that if we can simplify and refine a process that people understand what people are doing in space and look for those moments of pause when we want people to pause 
such and by that where we want people to socialize or to have a chat but also look for those moments where people are pausing where we should actually try and recover that time and you touched on the microwave for example um, we did a lot of studies around how long people waited before they got access to the machine the microwave the coffee the sink the dishwasher, the glass. And we looked at how many, how, how much time, by, and this is through uh, observation, how long did they wait? And then how, what steps could we take to remove the need to wait? So for an example, we put additional microwaves in because of the amount of time people were waiting to access a microwave. We did an exercise, which I refer to as like disbursement is how do we take, for example, the kitchen and we disperse the products and the facilities and the activities that occur in a kitchen and we disperse them in the right way. That means you're not waiting for somebody else to finish anything before you access what you actually are there to do. With regards to the journey planning, it's, it was a really around how do we understand how people prepare before they do the task. For example, if you turn up in the morning, we want free flow, let you go past your lock on your way to your workstation and vice versa when you leave. How, if we wanted people in those journeys to have a social experience so that they, again, it, which drives the culture, do you walk past the kitchen area where you will see your colleagues pausing, grab a cup of coffee with them, et cetera. So that whole experience needs to be considered of exactly what they see, what they pass, how they engage. Another part of it was around what I refer to as the disruption of space. And by that, it's, it's really around not what about what I'm doing, but what others are doing around me. And how do I ensure that what they're doing doesn't have a negative impact? So the choices we have are that we need to make spaces available in proximity to the activity you need. So in other words, if it's an impromptu activity, there needs to be a space to deal with and manage and facilitate that activity within close proximity, ideally someplace you can physically see. The second, because that takes away disruption and puts it in an environment where, where productivity happens. It also doesn't diminish the productivity in the focus areas where people are actually undertaking detailed activities. So it's that choice, giving people choice of going away to do an activity or going away to get silence. But if we remove disruption, et cetera, and we and, and remove all that disruption via how we manage and design space. There's also the definition of distance and, and energy. So if we, in, in the building we walk through in Cremorne, for example, we looked at where high energy areas are, where the social activity is, where the buzz is, where there's the innovation happening, and where those low energy environments are. And the low energy we typically took to the extremities of the building. So you go and find silence. And the high energy we try to bring into more like the central core areas where we have people moving and we're having that excitement and that energy. So then people can go and say, today I'm doing focused activities. I'm going to locate myself there. Now I'm going to break out and do an innovation activity. I will go to an area that is appropriate for innovation where I can express myself. I love it. I love it. And, and obviously, I think me from our discussions, a bit of a workplace nerd and in particular with well-being. I think having seen the office, and again, for our listeners, this was something that was constructed, really, it was after COVID really happened or hit the shores of Australia that it was project completion. Yeah. Am I right in saying that? Okay. But actually, the primary design of the space was done pre-COVID. Yep. We got on site during COVID and we finished during COVID. So yeah. the construction phase was uh, fully in the COVID area, era, should I say. 
Absolutely. And is that obviously we'll get to the elephant in the room in a moment, which is we're talking a lot about workplace and we're in an unprecedented, I use that, I think we all use that term a lot at the moment, but probably a time where people are going to the workplace the least amount as they ever had. So we'll come to that in a moment. But how did that influence, you probably had this thing, COVID happening, or plans were already drawn up, so to speak, you're already tools in the ground, constructing it. Did that change what the end product? Yes and no, but, but less than I thought it should. We did do a deep dive into what should change, how should we impact changes, you know, why should we make those changes? And to enable us to do that, we had to really put ourselves in a future state. We had to say, what's going to happen in three years? How is COVID going to impact the workplace in the longer term? What things should we influence? What things shouldn't we influence? We had those activities when I talk about that micro productivity and disbursement of services. Now we had to crack that nut already. Where we did do changes is around touch. So we, we did exercises to look at where employees touch surfaces and how could we influence that. Not to, you, you can't remove it, but how can you influence it to, to minimize it? For example, we put in access control where it's just you wave in front of the sensor and the doors open rather than you push a button. So there's little quirks like that. We did actually change the specification during the project. We introduced, there were, for example, cleaning, there were wipes for the surfaces that were already existing in the design. But what we did is we enhanced the percentage of that or the quantity or the access to that. We made it a lot more visual where historically we actually try to hide those like hygiene aspects a little bit. Whereas what, what COVID taught us is make it, show it up. It needs to be seen there as a visual connection that this is a hygienic space and it needs to be very accessible in the very close proximity rather than traveling five meters. Maybe you need to only travel two, three meters to get access to it. So it did influence it, but not as dramatically as I initially thought it would when we started this exercise. We'd also built in what I, what I look at is two targets, really. We, what I look at is utilization. What, how many people in our space give the atmosphere we want to achieve in the workplace. And then the other part is how do we manipulate or manage the share ratio to achieve the utilization? So I don't see utilization as a, so I don't see share ratio as the end game. Share ratio is a tool that enables the end game being how much utilization we have at the space. So we did a lot of exercise around that targeted utilization based on assumptions of how people will engage with space differently in the future. Things we looked at there was around, for example, uh, what, I, like what I refer to as the modes of work. The, the mode of work like we are doing now is collaborative. We pretend we, we do focused activities where we're working as an individual, trying to finish a report, trying to get output productivity as an individual. We do innovative stuff. We do collaborative stuff. We do social. And we also, create, um, we also need to ensure we develop. So what we've looked at is how those activities change relative to working in a current COVID world and potentially how we will work in a post-COVID world. The bulk of the outputs really relates to the where. What we've been, what's been forced on us is that instead of, because we had actually won awards on our flexibility or how flexible working, but the part that really changed was we were suddenly not offering this to staff, but staff were, or, or our people were forced to work from home. 
So we had to, we were lucky we had a really, we've got a really good, strong base to work from. Everybody was on laptops, high spec equipment, et cetera. So technically they could be elsewhere. So that part wasn't the hard part, but what, what we had to do is then suddenly think about how do we look after our people when they're working from home? How do we check in a different way? How do we manage share a voice in meetings where everybody has um, a part to play in being a meeting? Because if they're there, they should be collaborating and a part of it. How do we influence those outcomes? How do we target ensuring that people feel part of a company? They feel part of this because people have joined us during COVID and lockdown, and they may have never even met the person that employed them because we've not been able to access each other. During, you know, post lockdown, when we had a little opportunity of getting back in the space, it was really good to see and observe and, and, and understand why people came to the office. There is a huge part, which I've always believed, but it was just proven time and time again, there's a huge part to be near people. We're social animals and we need that engagement. We need that excitement of being around people. And that definitely came to the fold. The way I see the future changing and what we've considered in our modeling is the fact that, okay, great, we might need that social, but we also might choose to work from home on a day a week, two days a week, three days a week. And that percentage of the day working from home is going to be driven out more than habit, what was used before. It's going to be driven out by, well, what's the best place that I should do this activity? Then it's a case of, okay, how do we understand how people undertake these activities relative to their team? For example, which I was never, one of the things I've definitely picked up on is the, I always try to have meetings in meeting rooms because you could, you know, you could get the excitement going, et cetera. But when there was one person that was sitting, say in New Zealand, we were sitting in Australia and there's a collaboration, the person that is dialing into the meeting that's not in the meeting room, their share of voice was diminished continuously. What we've seen when all of us are in the digital setting is that the share of voice is equalized. What we take from that is, okay, we, we now have choice. We now say, look, this meeting is targeting this outcome. So how should we approach the meeting? Should we come together in an office? Should we come together in a meeting room? Should we come together in a social environment? Or should we do it on a digital platform? It's so we suddenly have a lot more tools in our toolkit. And we suddenly have a lot more ways of influencing the meeting to generate the outcome, intended outcome of that meeting. Love it. I love it. I feel like it's almost might be incorrect in saying this, but COVID has almost further justified the design elements that, that you and the team were working on anyway, because you'd had that flexible working approach and because you were trying to optimize it for effectively what was a hybrid workforce before it was really a term that was used. I feel would you agree it's almost justified that or for your design of the workplace or made it even more relevant than what it would have been? It's probably taken years of change management and put it into, is the way I'd put it. We have learned so much, and I'm not talking about the workplace industries learned so much. We've, we understood that. You know, that. As an industry, we knew how to drive the results. What we've just been, but the difficult was often change management. You do, it's one of the most undervalued activities in most companies across the world. And I've seen that in all the places I've worked, is people don't put enough emphasis into that concept of change management. So what COVID has coincidentally done, it's taught us about this concept of activity-based working. 
in a matter of a month that would have taken five or six years for us as a community to evolve in. We're now very comfortable with saying, I am working in that location for this reason. I do think there's still a level of education and exposure and analysis that needs to be done. And I do think there's still a level of getting people to understand on a deepest um, level why productivity happens in this environment more so than this. But I think the, the journey from where we are today to success has been diminished by years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the speed of having to adapt, as you say, has just been fast and due to necessity, I completely agree. One way to look at this, you've obviously got workplace in your title. There might maybe some listeners thinking, well, you're biased. You're, you're all about the workplace and the physical environment there. And you've already gone into almost the, the home for employees being an extension of the workplace, not the other way around. The big question for a lot of listeners and from our point of view with our clients, we've got those that have already fairly much come back to the physical workplace as a apart from now in, in Melbourne, as we're in lockdown number three, but fairly much returned to BAU, so to speak. And there's some software companies. You guys are a software company that have gone completely work from home and flexible. So there were some listeners thinking, what should we do now? Where, where, where to start? What's, it's hard to get the crystal ball out exactly, but I guess with what, Graham, with what you've designed, with your knowledge of the here and now, what should those workplaces expect or what should they be trying to achieve in the next sort of 12 months ahead of us? I think it's facilitation at the end of the day. What, what the workplace is doing, and when I say workplace, I'm not talking about the office. I'm talking about the place you're doing the work. And I think that's one of the activities or one of the situations that, this, that COVID has enabled a lot more people to absorb is that it's about the place I work or so I do something rather than the physical workspace or, you know, the, the office as we would refer to it historically. I think we, the reason, to reiterate, I think it's the reason we come together and understanding the benefits of doing that and doing what's right for people. If it's better that I work from home, today's a very bad example because it's forced on me, but if it's better for what I'm doing today that I am at home, then I'll work from home. But that does broaden the responsibility of companies because there's different things that we need to think about when people are working from home more extensively in the future. There's well-being. There's a sense of belonging. There's, there's, a, there's the manager's role or people who, you know, people leaders have a much more active responsibility to find out how their people are, how their people are doing. If you're in an office and you can look over and you can see somebody, you can see and you can read what they're feeling. So you can, you, you can understand it, you can absorb it and you can deal with it instantly. When they're working from home, you won't, you may not see it. So it's incumbent and there's a responsibility for any people leader to understand that, that their role has changed post COVID. And part of their role now is to seek out almost the needs of their team members. Absolutely. And, and you've segued nicely. And I, by the way, it's probably going to be my last question, I, I think, but it, it would be remiss of me, obviously, where well workplaces and all about wellbeing to not hone in on the wellbeing side of things a lot more. And again, I mentioned that our client base, there's a, there's a mix of hybrid workforce, complete work from home, complete work from the office or the, the workplace, if they're more of a factory setup, etc. With with wellbeing, and this is a question based on your experience or, or perhaps what you guys at NYAB are looking to do how do you think that 
the on-site workplace versus home has had an impact on wellbeing. And I guess based on that, I know you've answered in the, it's got to be adaptable and flexible, but I'm going to be straight to the point here and, and ask you the really $1 million question. Do, to to optimise wellbeing for employees, what's the ratio or how should employers look at this for employees if they've got the option of that home versus in office? Well, I think it just, it, it obviously broadens the scope of where the employee, sorry, the employer is deemed responsible. And it also broadens the scope of where the employee is, is deemed responsible because there's a responsibility. If again, just to bring in the, back to the visual connection, if I'm workspaces or workplaces and offices, etc., have been set up typically to be environmental, environmental, sorry, ergonomically sound. Yeah. They've been set up where the air temperature is fine. They've been set up where you have access to water. You have access to everything you need. And a company can influence that and drive results very easily. And, and it's, I'm not saying it's a set and forget, but you can set and solve 80% of, of the problems. And then you only really have to manage the other 20. Now, what we've done is we take people and we take them out of that and we put them in their workplace and we still have the same responsibilities, but so do they. So we can ask the question, but we're not going to have a connection of visual solution. So the employee has to actually answer the question potentially and say, yes, I am set up correctly. Then the flip side of the coin is, am I sitting right? Am I sitting ergonomically? Am I drinking enough water? Am I getting bomb? I, I, I burn under a hundred watt light bulb. Am I sitting in the direct sun? How do we manage those environmental aspects of working from home in a way that it ensures we, we do the right thing. I actually set on my phone an alarm that goes off every period of time to, to remind me to stand up because I get absorbed in the moment and I find myself working for probably hours, just stuck in the moment, focus, focus, which is not good for me. It's good for the output, but eventually that output will diminish because I am not healthy. So we have to look for those opportunities of what are coping techniques of where we can influence positively influence people through knowledge when they're not visually connected to us so that 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 is becoming more important and i do think all companies have a lot more to learn on that because we will learn more over time absolutely it's almost the unanswerable question isn't it, at the moment but the way you've answered that is so nice in that it's really has has to be adaptable but i love that sort of notion of it's almost like an agreement between the employee and the employer or a shared responsibility versus that, that the workplace is liable because you're right, if you've got that flexibility, if you've got that, that option, you've, there's got to be some self-responsibility as well. Yeah. yeah, so we at MYOB funded all our people to set up an ergonomic workspace at home. So we gave them cash and we said this is what you need to do with it. So we assisted them by saying, is it a chair? Is it a screen? Is it a, what is it that makes you, that sets you up ergonomically for a day working from home? But we don't inspect all those houses. There's also the flip side as well, is, is everyone's home life is very different. If you are living alone, you know, what, what does an employee do to enable people not to suffer from loneliness? That could be a problem. How do we facilitate those people? How do we help them? If you're living in a share house, how do we 
actually ensure you are you're not feeling stressed because you're struggling to be productive if you've got a weak wi-fi at home how do we support people and, and i think that more holistic responsibility comes into play where we have so much more to think about and so much more to do and then you know couple that with covid and it just becomes difficult i guess uh, but we but yeah great place to learn but a difficult place to focus or to, to, to solve Absolutely. We're only really just starting to, to learn where are we now, February 2021, but of the mental wellbeing challenges and, and you've mentioned the safety and the ergonomic and the physical challenges. And, and by the way, this isn't this probably seems like a plug, but we've been doing a lot of telehealth work from home ergonomic assessments. So our physios across Australia are doing those. And it's again, it's all I, I love that notion of the agreement. It's like an agreement between the physiotherapist on one line of a call. And the, in the employee, that I need you to adjust it to this point. And if you feel this head in this direction, so it's, it's had to change. The adaptability of employees has been fantastic, but I may sound a little bit biased as well, but certainly someone who really enjoys the, the company of people and like getting the whiteboard out in, in person. I think that collaborative approach is, we're going to start to see the, or reconnect with that as we, hopefully anyway, as we're allowed sort of back in uh, in a bit more consistent manner. Yeah, and I do think, again, it's, it's incumbent on individuals to do their own self-analysis and incumbent on companies to do their piece. But there is a lot more we have to learn about the concept of work, as in where to do it, when to do it, how to do it, because the world has changed dramatically. And that's everything from stating there, repeating what I've really said, is it's that ergonomic thing, the social part, what are and understand the benefits of it. You know, if, if you've got a bad network at home there's potential stress related to that if you've got a noisy neighbor there's potential stress related to that's that can impact somebody's well-being so what we need to do is to understand that everybody's not the same and that some people should work from the office five days a week their choice um, some people should have a mixture and depending on what their team needs i think so we've actually created what we call a flex deal and what we have done is we've created a toolkit where each team can work out how they work as a team. So they might, for example, decide that we'll come to the office on a Monday, Tuesday, we'll work from home and X, we'll focus at this time of day, we'll have our team meetings in the morning, etc. So we're starting to better understand and almost have more, I, want, I don't want to use the word influence, but, but, but empower people more by giving them the tools that enable them to work in this future state that we are evolving towards. I love it. I love that so much. It's And again, without speaking too lightly of it, it's probably a change. I know it's been enforced by a global pandemic and not ideal, clearly, but that's an understatement. But clearly it's been a change, that change management or really diving into what is work and how is it best done. This wouldn't have been forced on us in, you know, in any other in any other way. Look, Graham, I'm sure you could talk about this topic. I, I would love to hear even more and more, but you're a very busy man, particularly right at the moment. Very much appreciate the time you've taken today to tell us all about everything that you and the team have achieved at NYB. Congratulations on what is the best offices I've seen. Um, absolutely fantastic layout. I agree with that. Very, yeah, very fantastic design. Really appreciate you taking the time. And yes, if anyone wants to check out Graham. He's very popular on LinkedIn. There's lots of articles about Graham and the team's work at NYOB. Graham, thanks again for your time. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you.